Hey sister, welcome to the Cultivating Hearts podcast. It's Jenna and Joanna here. It's late at night. We have our children tied up outside so that we can have a conversation with you. Not, not literally. Not really. But... Not really. Don't call children's services. It almost took that though so that we could not be interrupted a thousand times. We had to mm-hmm. have the husband intervene. So they're outside and we are at the end of a long week. We've been doing light therapy this week with some of our boys. So this is pretty interesting. Supposed to help with some of the comprehension, focus, hyperactivity, all kinds of things. Yeah, we have a couple friends that have gone through through it and had really good luck. And so it's kind of intense though. We're going out of town um, about 30 minutes or so and... We have to do two sessions a day. so For 12 days and yeah. then bring a light home for the next 18 days. Hopefully that works out because it's at home, not at an actual office where the kids will focus for them. I don't know about how they're going to do for us. Yeah, so we'll see. It's um, It's been interesting already so far, but they're, I don't know, we're hoping Super for the best. Yeah, yeah. We're, we wanted to sneak it in there before... Before school, school starts, right? We're like, please learn to focus quickly <laughs> for or, everybody's yes. sake. Hopefully the school year is going to go much more smoothly as far as my boys being able to sit and concentrate and comprehend. They are on an IEP, um, so they do struggle with dysgraphia, which is writing, um, some comprehension stuff. They're, they're brilliant. They really are good kids. They're smart. They just have some comprehension issues. Um, Focus is lacking sometimes. Mm -hmm. So anyways, we're just kind of tired tonight, to be quite honest. We've um, we've just had a busy, busy week. So we have. But we're excited to come to you, and we're going to be talking tonight about getting in the game and how we are at war for our kids, um, and we need to be fighting for them. Yeah, I mean, how many of you have felt like, man, I just don't know if I can get in the game. This is a fight with my kid. Um, I don't know what to do here. You might become a little bit passive or avoidant or just give up and pray, which, of course, we need to pray. Pray hard, right? Right. (laughs) Praying isn't really giving up, but sometimes it's... It should be our first line of defense, and it it is many times for us. We need to pray. Pray lots. But But sometimes it's like a cop-out. Sometimes. I mean, we have to get in the game with the Lord. You know, sometimes it's like, oh, I'll just let God take care of it, when really... We need to get in there, explore with our kids. How are you feeling? What's going on? How did you get here? How are you feeling about God? And really just see where their heart is, where their mind is, what track what's going on with them intentionally. But it's hard sometimes. And like again, we're at the end of, you're at the end of your week, you've had a long day, and you know, oh boy, it's just it takes a lot of energy to say, Hey, just go yeah. get on your computer or get on game time and Yeah. So when check there's out. I think that recently I've noticed a lot of um, even Christian parents who have the attitude that I don't really know how to have this hard conversation with my kid. And so I don't want to be judgmental. Yeah, I don't want to push them further away from God. And so I'm just going to back off and I'm going to just pray about it. Um, And we need to start there. But I think that oftentimes God calls us to far more than that. And if you're going to be praying, you need to be listening for his voice to tell you how you need to proceed because you're a part of this. And so so parents, we got to get in the fight. We can't afford to be passive. The culture truly is just taking over our kids. One by one, they're being devoured with lies. We can't just sit by on the sidelines 
wish upon a star and hope that something happens. We are the ones at war for our kids. Um, we can't just sit by on the sidelines and somehow just hope that our child's hearts will turn back to God. It's, there's no wishful thinking is going to do that. Um, so we have to take a risk. We have to get in the storm. We are the fighter pilot, and actually, I had a dream recently, and I, I really do believe it was a God dream, and I'm supposed to share it with you. So my dream starts with me sitting in a classroom, and I'm learning how to be a fighter pilot. I'm one of the very few women that are in the, in the class. There's an instructor that comes out, and he puts up on the big screen in real time two women who are fighter pilots. They're talking to each other. So one of them is radioing the other woman in her jet. And she's saying, we're about to go over a city and we're going to have to bomb it and we might lose some kids. The other lady she's speaking to goes off into the storm where there's lightning and rain and it's dark. And that lady ends up blowing up in her fighter jet. I'm back in the classroom. We're taking a test. I'm actually cheating on the test with the girl's paper um, sitting next to me. And uh, yeah, but they turn in the paper and I didn't get to, to get her last couple of answers. So I woke up and I knew what the interpretation was. I knew that there was few women in the class because there's few of us really out there fighting for the hearts of our children. I know that sounds unfair. That was my dream. Um, I think a lot of us are fighting. Um, some of us just also don't know how to fight. So yeah, I think we're um, the few women that were fighting in there and we were trying to support each other. Um, I failed the test. I was cheating because I thought I was in this alone, that I had to seek someone else's um, information. I, I didn't know how to go about the situation. And really, I have the Lord. So I didn't need to cheat because I have him and he can direct my steps. Um, the, whim, the woman that said, "Let's we're going to have to drop the bomb and some children are going to pass away. I think that meant that we are going to be as mothers telling the truth to our children and fathers, telling the truth to our children, and they're not always going to like it, and they're not always going to be on board with us. The woman who went off and blew up in her fighter jet, I think that represented that sometimes we're going to have to die to ourselves when we're dealing with our children. It's not going to be fun. We're, we're not going to always be able to be their best friend. Um, and even unto death, you know, obviously a lot of us as parents would be willing to die for our children. That's how much we love them. It was just really clear to me, we have to be in the fight. We are learning how to be in the fight. We cannot be passive. If, if we are out at war, are we just gonna lie down and die? Or are we gonna pick up our weapons and fight? Hopefully, the will to survive kicks in and we fight, right? Um, it's just natural for us to get in there. And so, but we have to be in the game and we have to be fighting for their hearts. No one else is going to do that. We love them and no one else on this earth loves them as much as we do. So we have to fight for our children. We, we don't have to do this alone. We don't have to cheat and make it up, go to self-help books, try to figure it out ourselves. We have God. He is our weapon. But he also chooses for us to work with him. 
So though we are to pray and pray hard, we are to pick up our weapon, which is the word of God. We are to pick up God. He can walk with us through every single situation that seems complicated with our kids that we don't know how to handle. And we can get a game plan and be intentional with his guidance. So I think when we think of ourselves being at war, um, we have to consider the battle that we're fighting. Like which battles are worth fighting for and which ones should we just lay down? And it really doesn't matter in the long scheme of things. Um, so just today I was talking to a friend of mine and we were discussing our teenagers and the way that they dress. You know, Sometimes I would really prefer that they get more dressed up or that they look a certain way. Um, and they just have a certain style and they're going to stick to it. And that's just not one of the battles that I'm willing to fight. That's something that I have chosen to just lie down and I, I'm not going to worry about that one. Now, another battle that arose, uh, we ch- decided that we were going to switch churches as a family. And you had been at your church since you were a little girl. That's right. She met so her my, husband. They've been there a long time. We've been there a long time. Um, my Children were there from the time they were born, involved in their youth group. Um, And so moving someplace new was a big deal um, for all of us, but especially for the teenagers. And so it was time for us to uh, get involved in youth group at the new church. And I warned them. I said, hey, we're going to go to youth group tonight. And they dug their heels in in a big way. And so I actually drove them to the church and both of them refused to get out of the car. (laughs) And... And they were too big. They're bigger than me. So there's no way that I was going to physically get them out of the car and make that happen. So I sat there for a good long time and they were angry with me. Um, But we went home. We had lots of discussions about it. We prayed together about it. And I warned them next week, we're going to do this again. And so the following week, they had prepared themselves. They got there. Um, They were nervous because they didn't know anybody. It was a completely new situation. One of them is introverted. The other one is not so much, but I think just in the course of like the last year discovered that she's actually an extrovert. Um, So they both were just super nervous and that was a battle I was going to fight. So I said, you know what? This one you're not getting out of. We are going to be involved in this church. You are going to find friendships here and you're going to love it. I know you are. And so this is this is one of those battles that I'm going to die on. I'm I'm not letting this one go. (laughs) And so we did. They went the next week and it took one week for them to be hooked. And they have found their people there. They found their groove. Um, they love it. They want oh to be my at gosh! I mean, you know? I can't get them to leave. <laughs> Sometimes, I'm like it's time to go, and they're I'm pretty sure pretty the leaders busy. are hoping they do leave at right? some point so they can <laughs> go home. Please go home. <laughs> um, but that was a fight that my husband and I said, like this one matters. We need for them to have outside influences. It's not just our voices. We need to be teaming up with people that are going to guide our children with us through these hard, hard years for them. Um, And so that was one of the fights. Um, I think that that stemmed from a really impactful moment for Ben and I when we were newly married. And we were a part of a group that was like young, um, young adults, basically. So it was like college students. And a couple of us had gotten married in the course of that We had these awesome older couple that led our group and 
just kind of loved on us. And they asked a very specific question. And I remember this answer because it's, um, I knew that I needed to remember it for the future. So they asked the group, for those of you who have stuck with the church, who were raised in the church, um, but they haven't strayed away. Like all throughout college, they stayed involved in the church. They found youth groups and um, college age groups. And, you know, it was by their choice that they stayed connected to the church. And the leaders wanted to know what was it that your parents did or what was it that made you stay? Like what was the comment? Yeah, like what, why didn't you ever stray away or like do your own thing when you got to college? And in that group, every single person responded with church was just an extension of our life. And we were at the church every time the doors were open. We went to all of the events. It was just a part of who we were. And so going through college, that it felt like a void, like an emptiness was there if we were to miss it. Like it was just ingrained in us that this is who we are. And so Ben and I have remembered that and just taken that to heart. Like our, we want our kids to know that those doors are always open for them and that anytime that they need to be there, that the church is going to show up. Yeah, and they might not like us, you know, when we're trying to get them to abide by the rules of our home. I think even as adult children, if they move back home, there's, you know, they have to abide by those rules in, in your household. If they're it's 30 different. or if 40, they're... like, hey, we want you going to church if you're going to live here, you know. Yep. If they're moved out and they're on their own, I mean, obviously you're not going to have a say over that. And so while they're living in your home, have a say and a big one. I think we need to not back down from certain battles. We've well, got to be there for And what it. are we saying for our kids if we don't get in the fight? You know, even... Um, unconsciously they might not be thinking about it but it's like yeah aren't you willing to fight for me the other attitude that we have taken because there are times obviously when kids and ourselves you know just don't feel up to going to church or we've just had a busy week and it seems easier to just stay at home or you've got you know sickness that <laughs> is running through your church whatever it is and then you should stay home if you're, <laughs> if you're sick stay home right <laughs> Please don't bring your hacking child to the church nursery for my sake. Um, But I think that we have we've always taken the approach that we live in a country where we get to go to church. It is a privilege. And a lot of people in this world don't have that privilege. And so when our kids say, do we have to go to church, which isn't very often, but if they say, do we have to go? Our response very quickly every time is we get to go. Yeah. And so I think that having that attitude of um, just this isn't an obligation, but we want to be there. We want to be there worshiping God. We want to be with like-minded believers. We want the support and we want to support other people. Um, And with this past election in August, honestly, I don't think we know the repercussions of this yet and um hopefully ohio and some other places can turn things around but we really could be looking at down the road going back into home churches or someday underground honestly i know it's scary to think about but the way that our country or that they're trying to push us is definitely in that direction We're, we're not really looked upon as um people that 
The culture likes at this at this point in time with culture kind of going one way and Christians standing firm upon the foundation of the word of God. It's it's not popular. And we're going to become more and more hated, unfortunately. You're right. So I think that um, especially in the day and age that we are living in today, you are going to have to have hard conversations with your kids. Really, really difficult things that we can't beat around the bush, but we have to hit them with truth, but in a loving way. And so you have to build that relationship, I feel like, from the time that they're young so that you have a relationship with them so that you can have those hard conversations. It's hard to just jump in there if you've been neglecting it this whole time, but still, even if you have, you've, you've got to try for those hard conversations because they have to be had. Oh, right. And if, if you only speak truth and you're harsh, you're going to lose your kid. We could lose our kids. And if we're super passive and say nothing, culture is going to eat them up. I mean, so... Yeah, there has to be a balance between I love you so much that I can't let you believe the lie. And so we have to talk about what Scripture says. Um, recently, my son, he is in, uh, he's in high school still, but he's taking full-time college classes. And he took an anthropology class. And, man, I wish that I could have pulled him out of that class in a heartbeat because it was rough. Um Every single topic that they went from week to week had a major agenda behind it um, and was not in favor of Christians. And so we had a lot of hard questions that we had to answer. And he had to write papers um, and we had to figure out together how you can um, give the truth and still get the grade you need. (laughs) And so it's a hard balance. And so knowing that that's what your kids are hit with the minute that they get out of your house is like the complete opposite of what you've been teaching them i was glad that he took that while i was you know in his presence and we could talk through those hard conversations but i can't imagine if i had sent him off to a university and he got hit with that um you know how many kids are grounded enough in truth and biblical truth to know how far it is. Yeah. I just remember our mom again, where the old, I'm the oldest of six kids. And she just said, I, it, it hit me. I had been paying and helping pay for my kids to go to college for them to undo. I'm paying them to undo everything that I just tried to do. In oh, my for own sure. Children. And that was years ago. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. that was a, a long, long time, time ago. ago. And so now Thanks, it's Jenna. so <laughs> lots of decades. <laughs> um, but that was, I mean, really, it's so much worse now. And you can see how, I mean, how much they hate Christians. Oh, oh, yeah. And here's the thing. If we are too harsh and speak only truth without love, they're going to get out of the house, hear a different message. And a lot of them are hearing a different message anyway because they are in public schools or whatever. Um, but they're going to get out and they're going to say, my parents were just judgmental. They were harsh. All they cared, they had, you know, lots of lots rules. Of and, rules. Yeah. And, and if we become super legalistic without showing the empathy and the compassion and exploring with our kids what's really going on in their heart and understanding them, they will be understood by culture. And culture will be all-inclusive. The problem is culture will be so all-inclusive all the way to the place of possibly your child losing their soul for eternity 
of course they're all inclusive. They'll take everything you are and more, and then, you know, we don't want to lose our children for eternity. It's kind of overwhelming when you think about how much work you pour into your kids, and then that's their attitude when they get to school. All I can think of, Joanna used to work in a university setting, and the president of the university would start every single school year by encouraging the kids to forget everything they learned at home. Oh my gosh. I don't remember <laughs> if it was every year. It was at least a couple years that I was there and I wasn't there forever. I was there maybe for four years, but I about, my jaw was to the floor. Um, I think it was the chaplain came in. He was the first one to speak and he's like, you know, I just want you to expand your horizons, whatever you've come here with, whatever you've been brought up with, think outside the box. Basically you might, be redefining everything that you have ever known. And I was like, yeah, I'm not paying for my kids to go to college. Not with that speech on the first day. No way. Not happening. But that's the attitude coming at your kids. And so we have to know that that is what is on the other side of this. And we have to be preparing our kids. And that's, I think, why I'm so gung-ho on, like, we need to team up with people. I need them to have... Not just my voice that they're hearing, but lots of voices that are speaking God's love and truth into their lives. And confirming what we're saying. Yes, because my voice up against the world is going to be a quiet, quiet voice in the end, unless they're hearing it from lots of places. Yeah, we have to have a good support system around our kids. Yeah, I know you said, wow, it would be kind of nice if if I had the time to be a part of the youth group. But really, it's kind of nice for you to take a step back. And not have I you know. there. That's why I haven't other voices. done it so far is simply for the fact that I want my kids to hear a different voice other than mine. And so while I love teenagers and that's really a passion of mine to spend time with them, I think that they are funny and they're intriguing and of any age group, I think I love working with teens the most. But because I want them to hear more voices than just mine, I have kind of taken a back seat there for now. So the question is, what hill is God wanting us to die on? We might not be popular with our kids. They might not like us. Um, How can we speak truth and love? We need to armor up, pick up our swords. We have to fight for the very life of our kids, really. We need to be eternally focused. Yeah, and if they get mad at us, I mean, really in this scheme of things, like, yes, we don't want to lose that relationship. We want to stay close to them. But... Not speaking truth is not loving them. And so when we are silent and we sit back and we say, I'm going to just pray for them without being willing to speak. Without um, willing to do something about it. We're working that's with That's not God. loving them well. I mean, it's like if someone's about to jump off of a cliff and you're like, well, I don't want them to feel bad if I'm yelling at them and saying that, you know oh my gosh, there's a hill there and they're going to be upset that I'm yelling. Well, there's a hill there. They're about to die. And and of course, the goal is not to hopefully make our kids angry. I think if we are showing them love and compassion and trying to understand them and say, what's going on in your heart right now? Help me understand. How did we get there? There's also generational things as to the reason as to why we are struggling with the things we are struggling with, even from birth. You know, we have been birth even in our womb with some rejection wounds even from past generations so we have to just be willing to to be that voice um even when it hurts Mm -hmm. sometimes speaking truth is 
it can be hurtful. Sometimes I think that we need to just sit and wait on the Lord before we speak, but I don't think that he often calls us to not be active. And so I think that we need to sit back and pray, seek his direction and his timing and know when and how to have those hard conversations um, because he's going to direct you if you ask. Um, So we need to do that, but then do what he says to do. And sometimes that may be giving your kid space, but I would bet that oftentimes there's hard conversations to be had. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But sitting on it for a minute is always best, you know, before you get into any kind of deep conversation. These are sensitive topics that are coming up, like you said, in this culture, in this dark, dark time. There's so much confusion. Um, And so our goal is to clear up some things for our kids and help them understand that, you know, it doesn't have to be confusing. Yeah. And you have to remember that the war is not against your kid. And so we can't come at them like they're the ones that we need to raise our sword to. Um, we're fighting it not against flesh and blood. Right. And so we're, we need to remember that we're fighting on their behalf. And so we don't want to come at them with this sword, like, here's the truth and you need to listen to us. Um, but we're coming at Satan with that sword and we're coming up against him and what he, the seeds that he has planted and the lies that he has been telling our kids. And so we need to armor up ourselves. Make sure that we have the tools that we need in order to go into that conversation and battle Satan out um, so that we are planting seeds of truth. Yeah, and it goes back to, again, our last podcast where we talked about, you know, when you're not feeling well, then let's figure out how to feel well. How do we, you know, the world will call it self-regulate, but, you know, how do we God-regulate? Um, we need to have his breath in us. We need to have his plan in us. He, he has given us the Holy Spirit. And so our thoughts are not our thoughts if we are see- truly seeking him. Right. And so if God is giving me those words for hard conversations, they're bound to go better than if I, on an impulse, come at my kid. Yeah, get out of the way. We, we have to get out of the way. How many times have we made messes when we didn't get out of the way and we got in the flesh and we just want to put our foot down or say something, but you know, it has to all be for love for the sake of their eternal soul with Christ. Yeah. So what are you willing to do uh, versus what is God telling you to do? I think that (laughs) a lot of us get stuck in like, well, I'm not willing to have that conversation or I'm not willing to risk our relationship, or I'm not willing to risk pushing my kid away. But is God wanting you to do that? Yeah, we can't just hope hope and wish upon a star, like I mentioned before, that things are all just going to somehow fall in place. We have to be interactive. We have to be engaged. It's hard. We're all tired. We're busy, you know, but we got to do it. So we're at war. We've got to pick up our swords. We've got to get in the fight. We have to have conversations with God and know his direction, how to have these hard conversations, when to have them, when not to have them. We've got to be seeking the Lord because he's on our team. He directs our steps. Yeah, we've got to have a game plan and to be willing to do what he asks us to do. Otherwise, our kids are going to fail. So let's all pick up our swords. We're going to armor up. 
And we'll see you next Tuesday around the table.